can. Heavenly Father, we lift up, um, God, each one of these situations, God, that has been uh, just represented by a raised hand this morning. God, I know there are a lot of people in our, uh, just different families in our church, God, that are going through grief right now and are going through uh, different uh, health challenges and sickness. And so, Lord, I just, this morning, God, I just want to thank you that, that this morning, God, we pray to a God who's alive. We pray to the same God that parted the Red Sea. We pray to the same God that healed the broken. We pray to the same God that raised Lazarus from the dead. Lord, there's nothing, God, that you can't, you can't intervene in. So, God, we ask, Lord, that, um, God, you would work in each one of these situations. God, I pray where people's faith is taking a beating right now, that, Lord, you would, you would just come along and, and increase their faith. God, I pray that where trust right now, God, it, for, for, for some it's just hard to come by. Lord, help us trust in you and just believe, God, that you are, God, in each one of these situations. God, for those that are just dealing with brokenness and loss right now, I pray, Lord, that you would show yourself to be the God of comfort, that you would show yourself to be a God who just brings strength and, and help, God, in our time of need. God, we lift our eyes up to you. God, you are our help. God, you're an ever-present help in time of trouble. And we thank you so much for that. God, this morning, I pray, Lord, that, God, as your word is preached, Lord, I want to pray, Jesus, that, Lord, you would, you would help me. God, you would help us, God, to hear what it is that you want to say to us. That, God, you would encourage us. That, God, you would meet us, um, God, right where we're at. I pray in your name, Lord. Amen. 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 Um, uh, part of what we do here in our church uh, uh, is, is part of our worship is every week we just take an opportunity to give back to God tithes and offering and there's a couple ways to do that um, if you're a guest we don't ask anything of you but if you're if this is your home family home church family a couple ways to do that we have a, we're gonna have a bucket at the back door on the way out um, you can also go to give.ctk.church and uh, we just appreciate your generosity and, and, and heart to give back to God. If you're here and you're maybe brand new, you're interested in what our church is about, a couple ways to find out. We have programs at the back door there that just tell a little bit about our church. You can also um, go to connect.ctk.church grab a, or grab a connection card, ask any questions that you have, or find out how you get involved. Um, lots of ways to do that, but those are some great um, ways just to take a next step in, in that journey. Awesome. Hey, we're in a series right now where we are going through the book of Psalms. And if you've ever read through the book of Psalms, or even just chunks, maybe you've just read 10 chapters at a time, um, but if you've ever read through this book, one thing that you, you realize pretty quick is that the book of Psalms is really, it's, it's like it, it can be an emotional roller coaster. And you have writers that really experience uh, just about every emotion that there is out there, and they, they write it in this book. Psalm 23 is probably one of the most well-known passages of Scripture, and uh, it's this beautiful psalm just of, of how God refreshes us, and He restores us, and He gives us peace, and, and mercy, and love, and goodness are going to follow us all the days of our, our lives. And you can read that and just build your faith. Well, right before Psalm 23 is Psalm 22. Which starts off with the line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The same words that Jesus uttered on the cross. And the Psalms are, one of the great things about the Psalms is they really reflect life. They reflect the, the realness and the rawness of life. Psalms does not sugarcoat things at all. Um, last week we were 
in Psalm 1 where it talks about the blessed life. And here's how you find, uh, the, if you want to pursue joy, want to pursue happiness, this is how you do it. And Psalm 1 talks about just us being anchored in God and what it takes to find joy and happiness. Well, today, we're going to be on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. And today, we're going to be in, a, in actually two Psalms, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. And uh, the reason we're doing these two psalms together is because most Bible scholars actually believe that these two psalms were actually at one time one song. And you'll see as we read these uh, two psalms how the, the same course of this song is echoed in, in both of these psalms. And uh, these psalms were written by writers known only as the sons of Korah. Um, we don't know for sure uh, what the circumstances were surrounding the writing of these, these two psalms. Um, but the writer or the writers, for whatever reason, found themselves in a pretty dark place in life. And so they did what people throughout the ages have done, and maybe some of you do this as well. When you find yourself in a dark place, you grab a pen and you grab a paper and you just begin to write that stuff down and pour out your heart and soul to God. So we're going to read both of these psalms and then we're going to dive in. Uh, it starts like this. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged. But I will remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Miser. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and, each, and throughout each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. O oh God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff, where is this God of yours? And in this course again, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. For you are God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp, O God, my God. And in this course, one last time, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. And what we're seeing here is somebody who feels cut off from God. It's a person who's deeply discouraged, depressed. They're going through what, what, um, what the ancients would call the dark night of the soul. They're in a funk. 
Um, they've got a bad case of the blues, down in the dumps, whatever you want to call it. And all of us have moments like this in life, don't we? It's those moments where you hear words like hope and joy, and those words are nothing more than that. Just words. Uh, your outlook on life is just it's hopeless. You just want to withdraw from people. You lose interest in community. You want to pull back from being involved in, in church life. You just want to, you want to just withdraw. You question and doubt your faith. It feels like your, your soul is just being smothered by a heavy blanket of despair. And we're going to see what God has to say about these times in life through these two psalms. But just before we jump into them, I just want to put a, a disclaimer out there. Um, many of you in this room know different kinds of depression, or you love somebody that, that does. And I cannot speak, nor am I going to try to speak this morning, to all the varying degrees of depression. There's everything from clinical depression to postpartum depression to seasonal affective disorder. And I wish I could speak to them all, but I am not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. However... Um, I can speak to the fact that all of us will deal with, at some level, um, what we're going to call spiritual depression at some point in our lives. It's that moment where your belief in God is confronted by all the pain of this world, and you've got more questions than you have answers. And spiritual depression is something that most of us have to deal with at some point. And, um, and we're going to look into this, but before, just before we, we jump into what the Bible has to say about this, I want to just, right off the bat, debunk some of the myths that are out there around this. And the first myth is that when it comes to depression, it's all in your head. Maybe some of you have heard this before. Maybe you've even said this to somebody before. It's just all in your head. And it's this idea that you can somehow just come along and kind of flip the switch, flip off the sad, and flip on the happy, and, and it'll all be gone. And it's almost like a form of denial where it's like it's not real... But, but the facts of, dep the, of depression are it's a very real thing. And according to Psalm 139, this, another psalm that's just so well known that we're going to actually dive into later on in the series. But in Psalm 139, we read about how we are complex beings. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And as you and I both know, a lot can go wrong in life, especially when you take into account that we live in a world that is broken and that's fallen, and, and, and to deny the possibility of depression is just, it's just wrong. It's real. It's not something that's just made up or in our heads. It's this real thing. Second myth that is out there when it comes to this, um, especially in the church, is that Christians should never be depressed. And the thinking goes like this. God is good all the time. You're blessed beyond measure. There's, there's so much that you have to be thankful for. Um, if you just believe, then you won't suffer from depression. And if you believe that, you're going to have a very hard time with books of the Bible like the books, book of Psalms. And it's a book, like I said earlier, that's just all over the emotional roadmap. But what happens is that some people will paint this picture, a false picture of life after you come to Jesus. And they paint this picture as if when you come to Jesus, life is just all roses and flowers and happy, 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 happy. You never have another struggle, another down day, difficult time in your life. They just all magically disappear. And, and then this idea that Christians should never be depressed is kind of reinforced 
Uh, even more, when you show up on a Sunday and everyone seems to be happy, you're seeing smiles, you're seeing hugs, you're seeing high fives, you're seeing just this stuff. But what you can miss behind the smiles and the hugs and the handshakes and the worship is that Christians struggle with depression just as much as anybody else. And the third myth is this. If you are depressed, it means you are spiritually immature. And again, this is simply not true. And I just want to give you a list of people who have struggled with depression. Um, we just read from the writers of Psalm 42 and 43, um, a book, uh, chapter in the Bible, how they struggled with it. Then there's David. He wrote words like, My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? My eyes grow weak with sorrow. Then there's two guys, Job and Elijah. Job at the time... He, he was considered one of the most righteous, or actually at the time of, of the writing of Job, the most righteous guy on, on the earth. And Elijah, he's that guy that, you know, called down fire from heaven and, and um, two giants of the faith. And yet both of them, get this, both of them struggled with depression to the point that they even had thoughts of suicide. Job wrote these words. He said, I prefer strangling in death rather than this body of mine. I despise my life. Elijah said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. And then in the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul. He, he writes, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. One of the most famous preachers of all time, a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Uh, he, he was a powerful preacher, also known as a guy that was witty, had a quick sense of humor, um, cheery guy. But listen to what he wrote. He said, I could say with Job, my soul choose, chooseth, this was back in the 1800s, strangling rather than life. I could readily enough have laid violent hands upon myself to escape from the misery of spirit. And then there's Mother Teresa. You know, you, you think about holy, godly people. She's probably one of the first people that comes to mind. She's, she's become this epitome of, of goodness and righteousness. Um, loved Jesus. And shortly after she died back in 1997, um, her journals actually got published into a book. And one of the things that just shocked people, surprised people, was her decades-long and disabling depression. She wrote, Depression surrounds me on all sides. I can't lift my soul to God. No light or inspiration enters my soul, and not a single thought of heaven enters my mind. For there is no hope. The place of God in my soul is blank. This is Mother Teresa. Depression is real devout followers of jesus struggle with it and as we've just seen struggling with it is not a mark of spiritual immaturity it can hit anybody and there there's a lot of causes for it we see some of these in the in the book of psalms that we just read read and again i'm, I'm going to approach this this morning from not from a i'm not a, a clinical psychologist i'm, I'm a pastor and we're going to approach this this morning from a, a pastoral perspective but, but there's some causes here that we see in, in Psalm um, 42 and 43. One of the causes is unmet expectations. Um, the writer has this expectation that he's going to meet with God, but it doesn't happen. And others are going, where is this God of yours? And, and some, some of my worst bouts, I've, I've struggled with depression on and off over the years. Some of my worst bouts have actually come as a result of this, where I've got this expectation in life that life is going to turn out one way, 
but it turns out the exact opposite. And maybe some of you, you've had this before where you've had these expectations in life, and then as life goes on and you run into a hardship or a difficulty or a relationship that was going this way goes a complete opposite direction, you know what it's like to have these unmet expectations turn into depression. And there's many ex expectations that fall short. Maybe you thought you'd be further ahead in life in your 40s or 50s. You thought it would look this way, and it looks completely different. Maybe you're a student, and you expected that when you showed up in high school, it was going to be the best days of your life. And it ends up being the worst days. Way worse than you could have thought they'd be. Maybe you expected your kids would go one direction, and they went a completely different direction. But we have these expectations, and when they don't get met, it can lead to this dark night of the soul. Another cause is the challenges in life. Um, the psalmist, he is oppressed by his enemies, attacked, maligned. They're constantly taunting him. And, and life is hard. It's going to throw challenges at you. Sickness, economic crisis, betrayal, loss of work, relationship issues. Um, this last year, I've read article after article how this last year and a half has caused depression to just skyrocket. Like three, four times what it normally is because of COVID and everything that's resulted from that. Another cause is, is the past. And this can be a fixation on how bad the past was. Maybe you made a big mistake back in the day. You, you failed, you messed up, and you, you get fixated on that, and you just can't shake it. It makes you despair. Or this can be a fixation on how good the past was that leads to depression. We see this in the, Psalm, the book of Psalms here. This, this writer is talking about how back in the day, he just remembers back in the day how he would go to the house of God. It was just this moment of just joyful celebration surrounded by this throng of worshipers. And as he remembers all that, it just leads to despair. I'm hitting the midlife crisis years. And let me just tell you, the struggle is real. If I ever show up to church on Sunday riding in on a big black Harley, <laughs> this is what I want you to do. I want you just to walk up to me, put your hand on my shoulder, and go, Rich, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> but this happens all the time. It, ha it happens in churches all the time. I've been around church a long, long time, and there's there's this despair that comes on as people remember back to the good old days of church life. We look back through these rose-colored glasses on the glory days, and it can lead to despair. Another reason that we, we can wind up here is a crisis of faith, where you see pain and suffering in the world around you. You wonder, how could God allow, and you fill in the blank, or your life purpose just doesn't seem so purposeful anymore. Or in the middle of a personal challenge, a trial in life, you just keep facing one hardship after another hardship after another hardship. And, and pretty soon you find yourself saying similar things to the, to the writer of Psalms here where he says, God, why have, you why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief? And there's a question that I want us to get to this morning and answer. Um, in this, this sermon And the question that I want us to get to isn't Okay, how do I get rid of the, the depression? I actually don't want to answer that question It's bad to experiencing feelings of joy and, and happiness I, I don't want to answer that question as much as this question How do I find God 
in the middle of spiritual depression. How do I find God? How do I get to the one who is the source of life? How do I stay anchored in him when the world around me seems to be coming unhinged? How do I find God? And I want to give you a few ways that, that I see here in this passage of scripture that we just read. The first one is this, very simply, keep moving. Keep moving. And what do I mean by that? Well, I've noticed that for me personally, whenever I find myself getting into these, these bouts of depression, these funks, whatever you want to call them, the first thing that I want to do is I want to crawl in a cave. And, and not, a, not a literal cave, but I, I just want to, I want to sit on the couch and get just like the cave of Netflix and just zone out or stay in my bed and just sit there on my phone and surf whatever. I just want to crawl in a cave. And, and it, it might look a little different for you, but you have to keep moving. And the writer of the Psalms here, he talks about how he remembers God. And there's some things that he says here that are, are kind of interesting. And, and, and I think it speaks to how he, he keeps moving. But he's, he talks about how he remembers God even from distant Mount Hermon. That's the wilderness that's out there in nature. We don't know why he's there, but maybe he's there because— there, um, some, some people actually speculate that David had a part in, pl- in writing these psalms here and that he was out in one of the caves just escaping King Saul. Uh, maybe the writer was, was escaping one, his enemies or maybe, maybe just, they're just out there seeking solitude, space. Regardless, they had to get up and physically move. Later on, um, he talks about getting up and going to the altar of God. He's moving. And one of the ways that you can find God in spiritual depression is by practicing physical habits that lead to a healthy soul. I'm talking like what's going on right here. Maybe some of you this morning woke up and you're going, last thing I want to do is get moving. I just, I want to, I want to stay in this cave. I want to stay in my bed. I just want to, I just want to crawl in that cave and not go anywhere. But you got up and you moved. You got dressed, you got your clothes on, you got, you got in your car, you turned on the ignition, you drove down the road, you walked through these doors, you moved. Physical habits that lead to a healthy soul. Things like spending time out, outdoors, getting off of screens, amen? Taking time to rest, grabbing your Bible or your Bible app and physically opening it and reading it. You keep moving towards community, keep Keep moving towards friends who are going to be aware of what's going on in your life and walk alongside of you. But you got to keep moving. Keep moving. You, you can't crawl in that cave and just stay there. Next is, is stop listening to yourself and begin talking to yourself. Now, on first glance, that sounds like craziness, but let me just explain. Did you notice what the psalmist essentially does here in Psalm 42 and 43? They say, okay, self Listen for a moment to what I have to say. Why are you so downcast? Literally, that's what they're talking to himself. And then from there, the writer begins to rem- remind himself of who God is. God is his Savior. It's God. He tells his soul that its, it, it's hope isn't in whatever circumstances are happening that, that are getting him down. And God declares that each day the Lord pours out his unfailing love, that God gives life, that he's the source of joy, talking to himself. You gotta, you gotta stop listening to yourself and begin talking to yourself. Now on the surface, this might sound like the same thing. 
listening to yourself and talking to yourself, but they're not. One is passive. It's just listening to all the negativity that's filling your mind, letting yourself wallow in whatever has you down. Life was so much better back in the day. I'm such a failure because of what I did. I have no purpose. Life is just full of despair. God isn't listening. God is nowhere to be found. God doesn't care. Talking to yourself. On the other hand, when you talk to yourself, that's listening to yourself. When you're talking to yourself, it's not passive. It's active. One is just listening to that track play over and over and over again in your mind. The other is, is you speaking truth. Or as the psalmist did, you, you grab a pen and paper and you just begin to write truth down. Yeah, write down all the bad stuff and the bad thoughts that are going on. But don't stay there. Also, also de- declare who God is. Declare how God is for you. And, and the, the, the one is, is just listening to yourself. The other is going, okay, I'm going to begin talking to my, myself. Declaring who God is. And then next, and there's a, there's a lot, of, lot more ways that, that we can find God, but here's just the, the three I'm going to give us this morning. Keep moving. Stop listening to yourself and begin talking to yourself. And then the third one is this. Keep pressing into God. Keep pressing into God. The psalmist doesn't let himself get too far away from God, which I know can be so hard to do when you're feeling so hard to do. You want to pull away. You want to pull away from God. The last thing you want to do is show up here where you're going to run into some pretty happy people, some smiles and all that kind of stuff. You're like, I don't want to deal with any of that. You got to keep pressing into God, though. Over the past several weeks, I have been super captivated by the story of a young lady named Jane Marsh Whiskey. Um, she's a 30-year-old from Ohio who has had to suffer through some of the, just some pretty bad circumstances in life. Um, in, in 2017, she learned that she had cancer um, and that she likely only had six months left to live. In 2018, she was miraculously declared cancer-free, only to find out three months later that it was back, only this time. She only had a 2% chance of survival, and to make matters even worse, her husband of five years decided that during that second battle that he was going to up and leave. And then something wild happened. And some of you have probably even seen this. Um, On June 8th, uh, just one month ago, she got to audition on the main stage of America's Got Talent. And her original song that she wrote called It's Okay earned Simon Cowell's golden buzzer. Hits the buzzer, confetti everywhere, uh, which means, for those of you that don't watch America's Got Talent, she automatically gets to go ahead to the live auditions. Crazy moment. And I don't often get emotional watching these sorts of things, but this time was different. And if you've seen it, good chance that you were in that place too. There was, there was something different about this lady. And uh, so I did a little bit of digging around, and, and, uh, and after I dug around a little bit, I found out what was different, what that something was, or rather who that someone was. And a while back, she wrote this blog post titled, um, God is on the Bathroom Floor. And it's probably the most raw and powerful expression of God in the middle of suffering that I've ever read. And I don't have time this morning to read the, the entire thing, but you've got to read this, at, the whole thing at one point. But I do want to just read a little bit here to you this morning. She wrote this. She said, I spent three months propped up against the wall. 
On nights that I could not sleep, I laid in the tub like an insect, staring at my reflection in the shower knob. I vomited until I was hollow. I rolled up under my robe on the tile. The bathroom floor became my place to hide, where I could scream and be ugly, where I could sob and spit, and eventually doze off, happy to be asleep even with my head on the toilet. I've had cancer three times now. So at, during her audition um, a month ago, she, she shared how the, the cancer is back. It's, it's throughout her whole entire body. I've had cancer three times now, and I've barely passed 30. There are times when I wonder what I must have done to deserve such a story. I fear sometimes that when I die and meet with God that he will say I disappointed him or offended him or failed him. Maybe he'll say I just never learned the lesson or that I wasn't grateful enough. But one thing I know for sure is this. He can never say that he did not know me. I am God's downstairs neighbor, banging on the ceiling with a broom. Up at his door every day, sometimes with songs, sometimes with curses, sometimes apologies, gifts, questions, demands. Sometimes I use my key under the mat to let myself in. Other times I sulk outside until he opens the door to me himself. I have called him a cheat and a liar, and I meant it. I have told him I wanted to die, and I meant it. Tears have become the only prayer I know. Prayers roll over my nostrils and drip down my forearms. They fall to the ground as I reach for him. These are the prayers I repeat night and day, sunrise, sunset. Call me bitter if you want to, that's fair. Count me among the angry, the cynical, the offended, the hardened. But count me also among the friends of God. For I have seen him in rare form. I have felt his excel, laid in his shadow, squinted to read the message he wrote for me in the grout. I'm sad too. Call me cursed, call me lost, call me scorned, but that's not all. Call me chosen, blessed, sought after. Call me the one who God whispers his secrets to. Even on days when I'm not so sick, maybe sometimes I go to lay on the mat in the afternoon light to listen for him. I know it sounds crazy, and I can't really explain it, but God is in there, even now. I have heard it said that some people can't see God because they won't look low enough, and it's true. If you can't see him, look lower. God is on the bathroom floor. Jane Marsh Whiskey has a stage name that she goes by, and that name is Nightbird. And I listened to her on a news show recently explain how she came up with this name Nightbird. And she got the name because three nights in a row she had a dream. And in the dream, everything was black. And she heard one thing, though, the sound of a bird singing outside the window. And the psalmist said, uh, he, he had a similar idea when he wrote these words. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. And when it comes to despair and, and sadness, depression, it's sometimes so deep that it's difficult to help others understand what it's like. However, there is always, always someone who does. There is always someone who understands. He's the one who wept at the death of his close friend Lazarus. He's the one who knows the anguish of seeing his people walk into catastrophe over and over again. He's the one who knew such heaviness and sorrow that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. His name 
is Jesus. He's God Almighty. And, and he knows what you're going through. And he's never left your side. He's a friend that's closer than a brother. He's, he's, he's chosen you. He delights in you. You're his son. You're his daughter. And he's right there with you, even if you're crawled up on a bathroom floor. That is the God that we serve. You see, he's a God who doesn't, he doesn't just know the pain that you're going through, but he's a God who will meet you right there. He'll meet you right there in the middle of it. And then in a way that only God can do, he can, he, he'll, he'll not only meet you there, but he has this crazy way of even redeeming whatever it is that you're going through. This young lady, Nightbird, she could have never thought in a million years that all that she's going through, that God would work through that. I mean, you just go on YouTube and read some of the comments underneath this video, if you haven't seen it already, and see how God is redeeming all this pain that she is walking through. Only, only God can do that. But you need to know that regardless of what you might be going through, you have someone in God who knows. And he's right there with you. And as we wrap up this morning, we're going to we're going to go to Jesus. And, and I just encourage you, wherever you're at, to, to, to keep moving, to, keep, to, to, to know who God is and declare who God is and keep pressing into God. Maybe there's some of you watching online today that you're just like, you've just pushed away and you're, just, you're maybe in that cave right now, but you, you moved and you flipped on that screen. God wants, to, God wants to meet you where you're at. And wherever you're at this morning, just know that we have a God who, who's, who keeps pouring his unfailing love on us, even when we don't know it or realize it or, or seem to be experiencing that. He's there. He's an ever-present help in times, times of trouble. What's, would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. You are so good. And Father, I just, this morning, want to lift up to you, God, anybody that is maybe here in this room or somebody who's, who's watching this video on their screen, and, and God, maybe there's others that know what's going on. Maybe they've shared and have been able to open up. But God, maybe, maybe they're in a place right now, Lord, where they just feel like, like they're just facing this battle, Lord, all on their own. God, right now in this moment, Lord, I pray and ask, God, that you would just reassure them that, Lord, they are not alone. That, Lord Jesus, you are with them. God, even in that darkest valley, God, you're walking there right alongside of them. And Father, I pray that, that, Lord, you would be their strength, that, God, you would, you would come alongside of them, and, and, God, just even knowing that you're with them, that, God, they would, they, would, they would just know, God, just a strength and a resolve, that, God, even in that, Lord, that, that Jesus, they would even experience, God, a glimmer of hope, joy. God, would you help them, God, in that place? And, and Father, I pray that, Lord, whenever we find ourselves, God, facing these dark nights of the soul, God, whenever we find ourselves, Lord, in these moments, God, where, God, maybe there's a reason for it, and God, maybe there's just no reason. God, God, I know what it's like to wake up and just, it's for whatever reason, there's just a cloud, a blanket of despair on you. God, I pray that when those moments come along, that, God, we would we'd be quick to go to you. God, in those moments that, God, you remind us, God, of who you are, that you remind us, God, of who you are in those moments. 
God, you are our glory. God, you're the lifter of our heads. God, you are the one whose love does not change for us. God, despite what we're going through, what we're feeling, God, your love for us does not change. You're for us. And God, in that, may we find such strength, I pray. Such strength, I pray. In your name, Jesus. I pray all these things. And everybody said, amen.